Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. My name is Jordan Upton. I'm the Director of Broadcast and Media Outreach here at First Baptist. And with me, as always, is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing? Well, it is the week between Christmas and New Year, which I think um, I heard rightly described as a week filled with cloudiness of mind and cheese. And <laughs> so that's kind of where we are uh, today uh, as we record this Um it is a wonderful week. The, the 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 heat wave of, you know, now near freezing has come through, and so that's made the precipitation that's on the ground more navigable, and uh, and so things are going well. Jordan, how was your Christmas? It was really good. I had a great time with my wife and my son, and we got a lot of movies in. I was really I was really happy about that. Uh, yeah. How about how about your Christmas? You know, we we had a good one. Of course, Christmas falling on Sunday uh, means it's a bit of a more um, work-centered weekend for me, um, but it's a lot of fun. And to me, my favorite service of the year is the Christmas Eve service, followed closely by a Christmas Day service when we get to have that. And so there's just something about it to me. Absolutely love Holy Week and Easter, um, but it's really special. In fact, the last time Christmas Day fell on a Sunday is the day that my little boy got baptized. Yeah. And and now he is he is not quite so little, but we were able to commemorate his baptism uh, on Christmas Day on a Sunday uh, that happened in 2016. So very special for us. Yeah, that was a beautiful moment. I, yeah. I remember that. So today we're going to be talking about a lot of what we've been talking about during Advent, and on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day, just kind of wrapping things up and moving into the new year. Mm -hmm. So on Sunday, we talked about Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampering warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So on Sunday, I appreciated how you shared a lot of the context behind this Isaiah passage. Uh, listeners, if you missed Jeff's Christmas Day message entitled, God Has Saved Us, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. So we've all heard the end of this passage that I just read about the child being born to us and the government resting on his shoulder. We talked previously about how the chapters leading up to this chapter were initially fulfilled in the birth of Isaiah's son, Maher Shalal Hashbaz, then fulfilled again in the birth of Jesus. Is that also the case here? Well, so in the New Testament, often you have this right now and not yet sort of prophecy that is given. Um, this one's a little bit more straightforward in that the individual described in Isaiah chapter 9 is really described as, as a divine figure. 
Pastor and theologian Ray Ortland says this kind of king contrasts with even the best of the Davidic line that Judah has experienced so far because these titles show that this king will be divine. Thus, this cannot refer to, say, Hezekiah, whose father Ahaz was king at the time, who for all his piety was nevertheless flawed and only human. So what you're, what you're seeing here is that Isaiah chapter 9, particularly verses 2 through 7, particularly verses 6 and 7, um, is referring to the, to the Messiah of God who would establish his messianic reign and will rule forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, some of these themes remind me about our conversation about Advent not only being about the birth of Jesus, but also about his second coming. So Isaiah prophesies here that upon Christ's return, there will be no end to the increase of his government and peace. What will that day actually look like? Yeah, so at Christmas, we think about the first coming of Jesus, the incarnation, and that is vitally important. But during the Advent season, we look also to the second coming of Christ. In fact, the most published Christmas carol throughout the 20th century was Isaac Watts' hymn, Joy to the World. But there's a strong case to be made that that song is actually not about the first coming. It's about the second coming of Christ. And so a lot of times we think about the joy that 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 that, that Christ has come in Bethlehem. And, and so let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. But then when you look at the rest of the... The, the carol as it comes out, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Um, let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. So, so all the earth is joining in this resounding worship of Almighty God. Well, that's not happening yet, but it will one day. And then the third verse, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And so we're talking about the, the renewal of all things, the palingenesia, the, this, this picture almost of Isaiah 65 and 66, the new heavens and the new earth. And, um, and then the fourth verse, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. So this song was basically written uh, based out of Psalm 98. But when we think about the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, what's going to happen? Well, he's going to return. Those who are in Christ will be bodily raised from the grave. We will be given new resurrection bodies that we will be like Jesus, that uh, we will have physical bodies, um, but physical bodies that are perfected, that are immortal, that are incorruptible and indestructible. And we will rise to meet the Lord in the air, and then we will come with him. So not only will we see the second coming, uh, but we will be the second coming. And then Revelation 20 talks about the millennial reign of Christ. Now, listen, there's a thousand different ways to look at the millennium. Um, a whole lot of big theological systems based around the return of Christ or a calling up of the saints, whether that is before the millennium, during the millennium, after the millennium, uh, and, and whole theological systems are built around that. But but what I think the Bible is clear about in Revelation 20 is that there is a millennial reign of Christ. When Satan is bound for a thousand years, Christ reigns upon the earth. And at the end of that thousand years, Satan is released. Um, and uh, he's released to deceive the nations again. But then there's this great final battle. And it's so funny to me in the Bible. It's like all the nations of the world gathered around God's people. And then 
fire came from heaven and destroyed them. I mean, it's just it's just like this. It is the most um, anticlimactic thing. It's like you you picture the movie and and all the great threat that is imposing and coming around, and then God's like, yeah, no problem for me. So, mm-hmm. um, but in the palingenesia, in the renewal of all things, the new heaven and the new earth, and we've talked about that that mm-hmm. that the eternal state. Is a lot more earthy, a lot more tangible. Uh, we will have physical bodies. There will be a physical earth. We don't float around as spirits on clouds, uh, playing harps with our wings that we get every time a bell rings. So much bad theology in those last <laughs> few words I just said. So the good theology, because it's taught in Scripture, is that there's a new heavens, a new earth. God dwells with his people. We will be there. We will have physical, perfected bodies, and Almighty God will rule. In fact, his reign will be such that we don't even need a sun anymore because he will be the light by which we navigate. There will be no more night. There will be no more uncertainty. You know, it's just, just beautiful reign. And, um, and the Bible even says that the saints will reign with Christ. And so and what exactly that's going to look like, we don't know. There's a lot of conjecture. Um, we always like to... to uh, we always have the temptation to fill in some of the gaps the Bible leaves us, and and nothing wrong with that. However, we got to realize what is revelation, what is God's truth, and and what is the conjecture of human beings. Ultimately, Jesus will be worshipped, wonderful Counselor, everlasting Father, Almighty God, Prince of Peace, um, and He will reign forever and ever and ever and ever, and all will be well. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so would it be right to be thinking of Jesus' words in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So we're asking that the heavenly reality be brought down to earth, like make this reality greater because this is where we are and we want you to come here. Unequivocally, yes. And so as believers, we know that the kingdom of God has been inaugurated on earth already. When Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent and believe the gospel— When Jesus came, his first coming, the incarnation was the ushering in of the kingdom of God. And for those of us who trust and follow Jesus, we recognize that we are in the kingdom of God now. We we are under the rule and reign of Christ. We are under the rule and reign of Christ um, voluntarily. We have voluntarily surrendered to Christ. We have voluntarily bowed our knee and confessed that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. The day will come when the Bible says every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, confessing that Jesus is the Christ uh, to the glory of God the Father. And those knees that do not voluntarily bow now will bow but in anguish, recognizing that they have failed to worship Christ as God's Messiah, as the Holy One. And that will be um, a, a terrible day for everyone who is not in Christ. And, and that's why we labor it's why we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It's why we labor to to make the gospel known in Bowling Green. It's why we do what we're doing right now, and it's why we broadcast um, to 45 counties through WBKO and then all around the world through our live stream. It's vitally important that people hear the gospel. We can't save anybody. Uh, we can't make them repent and believe, but our desire and and the Bible tells us that God's desires that all men would come to knowledge of the truth and be saved. And so, yeah, for those who are in Christ, and I just want to say this again, because for me, for so long, I was so scared of the return of Christ. And I wondered, how could John say, come Lord Jesus, at the end of Revelation? Because if you read through Revelation, 
And if you're following our reading plan right now, you are currently reading through Revelation. It's, it, <laughs> it is disconcerting what is going to happen. Um, but again, for those of us who are in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for us. The, the, the wrath of God reserved for us was poured out on Jesus at the cross. There is no more wrath for us to bear, for Jesus bore it all. Um, so when John says, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, that, uh, we can join him in that prayer and know that the, the return of Christ is the most welcome thing for all who are in Christ. And until that day, we implore everyone, be reconciled to God. I mean, that's, the, that's, the, that's the language that I used um, during communion on Christmas Eve. Uh, it's the language of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are ambassadors for Christ, and we are imploring everyone, be reconciled to God. A lot to look forward to for those of us who are in Christ. And I would say, if you have yet to come to Christ, listener, do it today. Jesus said he would come like a thief in the night. And I know there's a thousand people who will tell you a thousand different things about when Christ will return. What I would recommend is be ready right now because you just never know. I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but going through the Advent season and then Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day and then what do we do now? What do we do now that we've come through the Christmas season and we're we're looking forward? What are, what are we looking forward to now? Yeah, we're we're looking forward to the everlasting reign of Christ, and I think that the best thing to do is to seek to grow as close to Jesus as possible. That's kind of where we're headed in our next sermon series for the next several weeks. Uh, this coming Sunday, which is New Year's Day, and I just want to encourage you, I know, I know, it's New Year's Day, but please make it a priority to come to church because I think that there's no better way to start the new year than by worshiping Almighty God with His people in His church. And whether that's First Baptist Church or a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, wherever it is you're a part of, um, we would encourage you to go. But we're going to talk about the, the spiritual practices of the early church and how those spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines are really the best ways for us to cultivate our relationship with Christ. You know, one of the things I've found in my life, and, and I've had a few journeys. One of my journeys has been a massive weight loss journey. You know, I got up to 365 pounds, and uh, it was not because of any sort of disease or disorder. It was because of gluttony, frankly, uh, just to call it what it was for me. Um, and I had to make some some changes in my life. And now um, I'm at 220 pounds, 225 pounds, somewhere in between there. Been there steady for a few years now. And uh, my doctor is telling me to keep doing what I'm doing, which is new in my adult life. <laughs> but one of the things that I had to find was that for me to say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, it was not effective for me to lose 20 pounds. I had to come up with what I call process goals. So in other words, I'm not going to put a goal of ultimate weight loss out there. I'm going to put a goal of how I'm going to behave today. Am I going to do the things that I know will eventually get me to the place I need to be? Now, listen, it took a decade. It took a decade for me to lose that amount of weight. But over that time, I could look at the end of each day and say, did I meet the process goals that I set for myself that I know if I continue to follow these things will put me where I want to be. Well, the same is true for my faith. Every year, I want to read the Bible through. I want to read the whole Bible. 
And there were many years where I would say, I'm going to read the Bible this year. And on January 1st, I would read until I couldn't read anymore. And January 2nd, I was less excited about it, but I would get up and I would read until I couldn't read anymore. And eventually, usually long around Leviticus, um, I would just get tired of it and say, well, I'm not going to read today. I'll read tomorrow. And, I'll re- and, then, and, and tomorrow kept coming. And so eventually you get to the point where it's like, yeah, there's too much. There's too much to go. So what do I do? I set a goal for myself. I'm going to read this amount each day. And that's why we do a Bible reading plan. And that's what I love about you version is for me, I have that Bible reading plan. And I strategically, as our pastor, I choose plans that come out of you version where you can get the the paper and you can follow along. You can open your Bible and you can do it that way, or you can pull up your device and just click on the Uversion app, go to plans, and it will pull the reading up for you. So the process goal for me is every morning. That's what I do. I read the Bible. What do I read? I read that passage for the day. And God always speaks. He always speaks. You say, well, that seems sort of perfunctory. You know, so were the process goals that I used to lose weight, but they worked. Um, And so establishing that routine of making the spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines of the early church, they worked then, they've worked over the course of two millennia, they work now. Um, So how do we have some process goals in our faith life to get us to where we want to be eventually? I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to see where we go with that. What what passages you bring up and how we make Bible passages procedural. Yeah, perfunctory. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's right. And and, and what's going to be talk about practical? Talk about application. This is going to be heavy practical application. So it's yes. Let's read the word. So go read the word. You know, let's 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 give of our our gifts and talents and abilities and resources. Well, that let's give. You know, it's not it's not going to be this. Um, theoretical world in which we live. It's just like the late-night infomercials. I don't know how many people have stayed up watching late-night. I mean, used, I used to stay up late into the night watching the infomercials about how to lose weight as I was eating Doritos. And uh, just not, that's going to be the answer, crunch, 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 right? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, well, let's actually do something about it. Let's do something about it and get somewhere. So that, I'm very excited about that. Well, and thank you for choosing a Bible plan each year. Listeners will have the Bible plan linked in the notes, so you can pull that up on your phone or on your laptop and look there. That will take us into our listener question for today. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the show notes, find the link there, and click it, or comment below the post. So, Jeff, was Jesus born on December 25th? That is a great question. And so what I'm going to say is we're not entirely sure. Um, I can tell you where that date came from. A guy named Wes Huff, writing for the Gospel Coalition, um, very helpfully put together some of the history of the December 25th dating of Christmas. Huff writes, the origin of December 25th as the date for Christmas finds its beginnings in the late 2nd and early 3rd century with the historian Sextus Julius Africanus. In his Chronographioi, an early Christian treatise that attempted to chronologically cover world history from creation to his own day, uh, Africanus set forth that date of December the 25th, and it was based on calculations from his reading of Luke and Matthew's Gospels. He concluded that Jesus was conceived on March 25th. March 25th plus nine months is December 25th. And so that's where that came from. And I know there's so many people who say, oh, 
the Christians just stole pagan holidays and, and, and superimposed the birth of Jesus on top of those things. Well, no, that's not the case. Can we say with utter certainty that it was December the 25th uh, upon which Jesus was born? Well, no, we can't. However, what we can say is that Jesus was born. And so just as the date of Easter, for example, changes every year, the important thing is that we celebrate it. The most important celebration of Jesus' resurrection from the grave is every Sunday morning. That's why we worship on Sunday morning. Uh, The Sabbath is still Saturday. It begins sundown Friday evening and, and goes until sundown Saturday evening. That's still the Sabbath. That's the seventh day. Sunday is the first day of the week. But just as Jesus rose very early in the morning on the first day of the week, we gather to worship in the morning on the first day of the week. When we when we come to December 25th, what we are saying is we want to celebrate the incarnation. And so this gets us a little bit into the liturgical calendar. We're Baptists, so we don't do a whole lot with this, but we do some with it. Uh, Advent is actually the beginning of the Christian year. So four Sundays preceding Christmas Day, December 25th, that is the, the beginning of the Christian year. So we begin with Advent, looking toward the birth of Christ, and then we have Christmas Day. And you might be wondering, why so many birds and drummers drumming and all those things? And what are the 12 days of Christmas? Well, because there are 12 days of what is called Christmas tide. We celebrate Christmas beginning on December the 25th, but that continues for 12 days and it ends on January the 6th, which is Epiphany. Now, Epiphany is, is about the incarnation, but some would say that that was the date that the Magi visited. I personally don't believe that to be the case, but it's a celebration of the incarnation. And then we have Epiphany Tide, and that carries us all the way to Ash Wednesday, which gets us into a season of Lent, 40 days, not counting the Sundays, that um, the church has historically used um, in view of Jesus's temptation in the wilderness, that we would spend 40 days fasting in preparation for Holy Week, and then Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday, and the great celebration of, of Easter. And then after that, we have Pentecost Sunday, 50 days later, the birth of the church as the Holy Spirit was given. And then we go into what is called ordinary time. And, and honestly, if you go to a, a more liturgical church, you're going to see church colors. Um, Advent and Lent are purple because those are times of fasting in preparation for these great feasts of Christmas and Easter. Christmas and Easter, the colors are gold and white for both of those. And then ordinary time is green. If you're in a church that, that follows the liturgical calendar and follows the liturgical colors, you'll, you'll know why certain colors are featured. So um, anyway, all that to say, was Jesus born on December the 25th? Maybe. But where did that come from? Well, it came very early on. And it came from a calculation of the date of the conception of Jesus as March 25th. March 25th plus nine months is December 25th. So we did not steal the date from pagan holidays. And another thing that's that's very important to me, you know, people say, well, Christmas trees, they come back from pagan tradition. During the time of the Reformation, Martin Luther really popularized bringing the evergreen tree, the evergreen representing the, 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 the eternality of Almighty God, um, the lights on the trees. I'm thankful we use electric lights and not candles on the trees anymore, um, but <laughs> representing the light of Christ. And so, yeah, there have been people who've, who've taken those things over the years or had different intentions for some of the symbols, but no, Christmas was not stolen from pagans and all of it points us to Jesus.
And I think there's something to be said about celebrating the birth of Christ on the same date collectively as the body of Christ. It's a tradition that it's on December 25th. You know, we don't know that, but there's something to be said about a large portion of the body collectively agreeing to gather on that date to remember the birth of Christ and look forward to when he returns. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that there's also something about the fact that the world seems to slow down just a little bit. Like leaving church on Sunday, my son wanted to go to the restaurant, you know, and it's a fast food restaurant. That's that's the Sunday tradition in our family. Mm-hmm. He was like, why isn't that restaurant open? Well, it's Christmas. And it, it's, I think Christmas Day is really the closest that our culture gets to a Sabbath. Yeah. And we don't get all the way there. There's something to be said, and maybe we can have this conversation later because you have a unique understanding of this. But there's something to be said about Sabbath and rest and recognizing we can't do it all, but praise God, he didn't tell us to do it all because he's God and we're not. Amen. Jeff, thank you for bringing all these concepts home. Thank you for the teachings that you've given us all this month and for the hard work you're putting into this coming sermon series and those moving forward. Again, we want to thank Jordan Evans for recording today's episode. Thank you, Jordan. And as always, we want to thank our engineer, Elliot, who does such a good job with the audio and making us sound good. He does. Thank you, Elliot. So, Jeff, can you pray us out for the last episode of this year? For the last episode of 2022, let's pray. Lord, we can't help but say thank you. You have been faithful through it all, through a year of ups and downs, joys and sorrows, highs and lows. Lord, you've been constant. You were the same yesterday, today and forevermore. And so, Lord, we simply say thank you as we come to the end of this year and prepare to step into a new year. Uh, We pray that 2023 would be a year filled with the magnification of Christ in all that we are and do. Jesus, you said if you would be lifted up, you would draw all people unto yourself. And so we pray that in each of our individual lives and collectively as the body of Christ, we would lift up Jesus that all people would be drawn to Christ. Help us draw closer to you than ever before, and help us, Lord, to be instruments in your hands to help others trust and follow Jesus. And so, Lord, we do. We love you. We have trusted you through 2022, and we trust you with 2023, for we know that in Christ we are in your grip, and nothing, nothing will tear us away. And so, Lord, help us be faithful as you are faithful. We ask these things trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley.